So if you've ever tried to bring together uh, a group of people uh, to do anything significant, uh, then you know the kind of pressures that Nehemiah faces in the passages that we'll be studying today. If you've ever tried to marshal resources, to gather people, to do uh, something, really anything, even if it's good, even if everybody's all in, even if you've got plenty of resources, even if you've got the momentum of previous success behind you, if you've ever tried to gather people to do something significant, then you know well, you understand the kind of pressures and opposition that Nehemiah faces in the passages we're studying today, which is to say, friends, there is always opposition when you're trying to do good work. There's always opposition when you're trying to do good work. So to bring you up to speed, Nehemiah is leading the charge. They're rebuilding the wall. The people have jumped in. They've responded. It's going great. They've got half the wall bit built at this point, and things were humming along. When jump into chapter 4, Nehemiah, verse 1, he reports this. Now when Sanballat, who is the leader of the naysayers, he's kind of the king of the negative ninnies there, Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, meaning heard from another naysayer, gossip's not new, it transcends the millennia, when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, this is Nehemiah reporting it, says this, this strikes me funny for some reason, he was angry and greatly enraged. He's doubly angry. He's angry and greatly enraged. I don't know, funny to me. Not to you. <laughs> so what does he do because he's greatly enraged? He does what many of us do when we are frustrated and we don't know what to do. says this, he jeered at the Jews. And then he said in the presence of his brothers, meaning he extends it to family and friends. We'll see the extension of it go out further and further. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, um, because what happens when you're insecure and you're hateful and you don't know what to do, you go on full sarcastic jerk mode and you widen the circle, right? What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Do they have what it takes to make this happen? Will they finish it up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and burned ones at that? There's a lot to do. They're not up to the task, basically, he begins to say. And he's grabbing other people around him in the, the gossip, being a naysayer here. So here's what is happening here. Sanballat, the naysayer, he goes full-on sarcastic jerk mode, brings his, his family and friends into it, then the Samaritan army. And so he's got the whole school, he's got the whole class and school in on the joke now. So... Flashbacks from my elementary school recess times. Everybody's laughing at Nehemiah. And then Sanballat's sidekick jumps in. Look at this in verse 3. It says this, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, beside Sanballat, and he said, and this strikes me funny too, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone walls. <laughs> Um, I think ancient Near Eastern put-downs uh, need a little work, frankly. <laughs> but the gist of it, you understand, right? Like, your, your wall-building skills, Nehemiah, the Jews, you're so pathetic, you don't know what you're doing, that a little animal might get on top and crush the whole thing. So, 
Sanballat, the head naysayer, he hears from another naysayer that the Jews are actually rebuilding the wall. And so he starts mocking the Jews in front of his own people. The Samaritan army jumps in. Then Tobiah jumps in. And by this point, the entire school is in on it. Nehemiah is standing there in the middle of recess crying like a baby because he didn't grow up around here, because he doesn't know anybody, because he has Dumbo ears, and he has no idea what prude means. It's amazing how a sermon can bring up personal trauma, huh? <laughs> That's not really what happens here with Nehemiah. He's encountering some mild opposition because people are talking. So he's encountering some mild opposition that we'll see throughout these passages ramps up more and more. And what does he do at this point? He does what we all should do when we're working hard, doing what we know is right, that we've been called by God to do, and when we begin to feel the oppression like he's done numerous times in the book of Nehemiah up to this point, he prays, he goes to God. Instead of returning their taunts with taunts right back, he goes to God. In Psalm 109.4, David, in the face of his enemies and his accusers, he says, in return for my love, they accuse me. But then he says this, but I give myself to prayer. What a cool sentiment that is. In the face of those you may love, who may accuse, who may oppose. King David says, I, I give myself to prayer. I go to God first. That's exactly what Nehemiah does here. Instead of returning the negativity with more negativity, he lets God be judge. <laughs> Man, if we could learn that lesson. He lets God be judge. Look at verse 4. This is his prayer. Hear, O our God, listen to us, Lord, for we are despised. All those around us are against us. Turn back their taunt on their own heads, and give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. Turn the tables. Lord, remember the Jews were the ones in exile. They were under the control of the Persians here. He says, turn back their taunt on their own heads. Give them up to be plundered in a land where they are captives. And then he says this. He starts to reveal his heart a little bit here. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. What we begin to see here is Nehemiah's heart to uphold God's purposes and his glory. He realizes that their taunts aren't about him personally. In opposing him, they were ultimately opposing God's work. Nehemiah was really clear on what he was called to do, what he was supposed to gather his people for. So he had a very clear sense of his calling. And he realizes that the opposition, it's not about him personally. He just happens to be the guy that receives it. So in opposing him, they were ultimately here, given the context, they were ultimately opposing God's work. So look at what Nehemiah does. He stands strong. Look at verse 6. He says, so we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height. And then it says this. This is great. We're going to simmer here for a bit because it's so good. For the people had a mind to work. The people had a mind to work. Their mind was united in its purpose. They were of one mind. It was, it was a mind set on one thing, a mind. Listen, friends, it is, it is really an awesome thing when God's people come together for God's work. There's nothing better on the planet than seeing a whole bunch of different people 
of different ages, of different backgrounds, come together for the singular purpose of, of making known God's glory. When God's people are united for kingdom work, amazing stuff happens. And, and people can look at it and they can see, man, they've got a mind to work. They are rebuilding this wall despite this opposition. This is the kind of thing we want people to feel and to experience when they walk into our campuses on Sunday mornings. These folks, they have a mind to work. There is something different going on at this church. Yeah, there is because people were here two hours before we started the first service at Greenville and Afton, picking up trash, cleaning the place, mopping the floors, making sure that the Mints are filled so that in the middle of the service, a bunch of kids can grab half of them and steal them away. <laughs> and then some faithful worker comes by later and takes them out of the bag and puts them in and fills them up so that they're here when you get here. It's really cool to see. And I get a front row seat to see it at both campuses, so many people coming together. That's why for us, worship and serve is really a fundamentally important part of our vision here. Because friends, we are about doing what God wants us to do, which is to produce producers. The world has enough consumers. Are we preaching? This community, your family, rises and falls on the integrity of its people. So we want to be a part of the, the work of God to build this community by building people who produce, who have a sense of, of clarity about what God's called them to. So if you want to pick up a broom next week or fill the mints, we've got a spot for you. You can just write it down in the connect card. I would love to fill in the mints jar. So the people had a mind to work and half the wall was done Look at verse 7. More opposition. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites, it's gone way beyond the schoolyard. It's like adjoining school districts. It's all over the internet. So when everybody and their mother heard, verse 7, that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. Angry and greatly enraged. And they all plotted together. Look at this. And the opposition was getting together in their opposition to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. So what did Nehemiah do? The same thing he's always done in Nehemiah. And we'll see it again later on. We prayed to our God and set a guard as a protection against them day and night. As we like to say, they pray-pared, which is our dorky word for they prayed and they prepared. They prepared their hearts, they prepared their hands for the work. They readied themselves, they hired officers at both campuses to keep the place secure so that we can, okay, I thought it was a good application, makes sense to me. So they were ready for the work. However, the word continued to get out, not just um, to those who were the obvious opposition, but to their own people. This is what happens that's what happens when you're trying to do good work. Sometimes it's your own people. Look at this, verse 10. In Judah, look at just the first phrase. In Judah, it was said. It literally reads, Judah said, as if to emphasize the sort of personal nature of this, like even their own people were saying this. 
The strength of those who bear the burdens is failing, Nehemiah. You're using our own people for the work and the strength of the people who are doing this work, it's failing. <laughs> Which, by the way, wasn't true. They're saying, there's too much rubble. Which, were they there looking at it? By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. Really, because it seems like it's moving ahead quite fine so far. Here's the real fear, verse 11. Our enemies said, remember this is the, the <coughs> Jer- uh, Nehemiah's own people, the Jews speaking about what he's doing in the work here. Our enemies said, they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. <laughs> so here's the real fear here in verse 11 that Nehemiah's own people were seeing here. They had become the naysayers because they feared that their enemies were threatening to attack. So they started sending delegations of local Jews to Nehemiah. Look at verse 12. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us, remember, Nehemiah's writing this, said to us 10 times, you must return to us. 10 times, Nehemiah's own people demanded he stop the work. It's too dangerous. These people you have set to the work, Nehemiah, these people are our family, which is not an invalid concern. So he does something that both takes care of their concern and sends a message to the outside opposition. Look at this, verse 13. So in the lowest parts of the space behind the wall, in open places, I stationed the people by their clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. They gathered more military protection as a way to say, bring it on if you must, but we do not plan to stop this work. And then verse 14, I looked and arose and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, this is just here what Nehemiah is about to say, him being a good leader to gather the troops to reaffirm the intent for all to hear. He says, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. This is typical Jewish leader speak, for there is no need to fear. Remember how God has fought for us and provided for us in the past? There's no need to fear moving forward. This is like when Moses in Exodus 14, right before they cross over the Red Sea, the people were imploring him to turn back to Egypt. And he says this, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. The Lord will fight for you. Their moving forward was him remembering what God had done in the past. So Nehemiah says, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and move forward by fighting for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Keep fighting for those who will, who will come after you. So this is sort of Nehemiah's locker room speech, and it's halftime. There's more to go. And he says here at halftime, we've made progress. We're getting close. The opposition is strong, and it's coming from inside and outside. And what we need to remember is that if God can do what he's done in the past and he's truly called us to this work, then we must remain faithful. If the rebuilding of these walls is so that our family will be protected, so that our city will someday again be a place that bears kingdom fruit, then we must not fear, we must remain strong despite the opposition. 
And we must remember that this is God's work that we're doing here. Now jump ahead to Nehemiah chapter 6. As you can imagine, that being the halftime locker room speech, (laughs) there's the second half to go. And it was no easier than the first because the the hits kept coming. Look at chapter 6, starting at verse 1. Now when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshub the Arab and the rest of our enemies, when they heard that I had built the wall and that there was no breach left in it, although up to that time I had not set up the doors and the plates, and in other words, it's the fourth quarter, we're almost there, we just have to finish a little more work before we get to the end. Verse 2, Sanballat and Geshem sent to me saying this, Come and let us meet together at Hakafirim in the plain of Ono. Now, it's basically them saying, now, come on, Nehemiah, let's just bring an end to all this silly fighting and let's all just come together. We'll meet in neutral territory and we'll hug it out. We'll hug it out peacefully. Yeah, right. You know, at the end of the game, when a team knows it's beat, so they start resorting to stalling tactics, distraction, running really crazy plays out of desperation. Same exact thing here. Sanballat and the naysayers, they know that they're beat, but Nehemiah can see right through it. He knows it's a trap. Hashtag Admiral Akbar. Keep reading. He says, but they intended to do me harm. He sees that it's a trap here. Verse 3, so I sent messengers to them saying, this is great. Underline this, circle this, highlight this. This is great. Verse 3, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. The work that we are doing is too important for me to be distracted by something else. He says, why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And he says, they sent to me four times in this way. Four times in this way. And I answered them every time in the same manner. Come on, Nehemiah. Let's just hug it out peacefully. He says, every time I'm doing a great work, I cannot come down. No, it's cool. Come on. I'm doing a great work and I cannot come down. It'll be okay. Just let's, I'm doing, you're not listening a great work. What I'm doing means I'm not coming down and you're not tracking with me. So they up the ante one more time. (laughs) They keep coming at him. And he stayed firm in his resolve. Look at this, verse 5. In the same way, Sanballat for the fifth time sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand, meaning it was uh, likely something that was read in the public square um, so that everybody could hear about it. So Sanballat's trying to publicly smear Nehemiah. Verse 6. In this letter was written, it is reported among the nations, and Geshem also says it, other, everybody's talking about this Nehemiah, everybody sees it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem, there is a king in Judah. Like he's got plants who are going to say, oh, yeah, Nehemiah, he's king. And now the king will hear of these reports. Everybody knows there's a conspiracy 
behind what you're doing here, Nehemiah. So, so now come and, and let us take counsel together. So I sent to him saying, verse 8, no such things as you have said, no such things as you say have been done for you inventing them out of your own mind. Not only are Sanballat here and the naysayers inventing this conspiracy theory, they're actually just saying things that had already been said. They're, they're bringing up old allegations that Nehemiah knows they can talk about all day. <laughs> and it doesn't bother him because he's crystal clear about his vision because it came from God and he would not be distracted. He says this, verse 9, to finish it up. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. And then, last thing, he prays, but now, O oh God, strengthen my hands. Make me stronger, Lord, so this work will get done. Friends, in the face, in the face of all the various things in our lives that can tempt us to lose focus, in the face of people who shout about how poor our work is or how dangerous it might be or who make up conspiracy theories about us and they blab around town about how we've sold out as a church because we advertise our services with yard signs. In the face of opposition, faithful workers find their resolve to keep up the good work by praying for strong hands by remembering what God has done and by trusting that God will continue to use their sacrifice. This is just what faithful workers do. This is what people who have a clarity about the sense of their life that meshes with God's purpose for creating you and for the world do. In the face of opposition, faithful workers find their resolve to keep up the good work by praying with strong hands by remembering what God has done and by trusting that God will use their sacrifice to move his mission forward. You see, friends, God has a great work for us to do together. We believe something absolutely crazy here at First Christian Church. It's why we're willing to put fccchristmas.org on yard signs in our yard. Because we believe God's called and uniquely positioned us here to be focused together, laser focused together on keeping up God's good work of helping people find and follow Jesus. There is no greater work you could ever be involved in than being the means for people to know Jesus is Lord. Whether it's in your marriage or your family, your extended home, your coworkers, this community. That's the stuff that builds a community. And we believe that he's called us to be focused on helping people find and follow Jesus. And we want to do this with a kind of focus that means week after week, day after day, in the face of opposition, in the face of constant naysayers, in the face of temptations to quit, in the face of all the inner things that we come up with that condemn the work from the inside of us, we can together say we are doing a great work and we cannot come down. Friends, if you 
if you hurl an insult at a firefighter while he's running into a building to save someone's life, if you hurl an insult at a firefighter who's running into a burning building to save someone's life, does he stop and address the accuser? My, how distracted we are. Friends, if you find yourself not needing to pray for strength, not needing to remember the work of God, not needing to trust that he'll use your work for the forward movement of his mission, perhaps it's because you've become distracted and you are engaged in different work. Friends, in a world, in a world of countless causes, the church stands alone as being created for the mission of God to help people find and follow Jesus. So do not let the opposition distract you. Keep focused. We are doing a great work. Let's pray. Father in heaven, indeed we can pray crazy prayers about you working through us because you've worked through your people faithfully such that we sit here because of the faithfulness of those who have gone before whose hearts were softened by your spirit to do your work Father make us faithful so that we would keep up the good work that you've called your people to Lord help us to rise and to, to be built into who you called us to be Father, forgive us for uh, very clearly using our lives and our resources and our relationships uh, for time-bound, personal, small goals. Continue, Lord, to, to help us through your spirit to take those goals before you so that you transform them into uh, your mission for the world so that we'd use, utilize our resources, our time, relationships, our minds, for the sake of your mission moving forward to bring people to yourself. So Father, that we would be a part of what you're doing to proclaim your glory to the world, to declare the truth that in your son Jesus, we can have, we can have a perfect sinless life we can't live because he lived it for us and he sacrificed on the cross so that you would accept his gift of his perfect life in exchange for our imperfect Father, we have, been, we have been opposed to you. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness to carry on the work so that we could sit here and worship and love you as a result. Please use us toward those same ends, we pray. In the name of Jesus.